Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. This is a live class called Magic vs. Muggle, The Struggle is Real. And I think you are going to freaking love it. It's a little longer than usual, it's just under an hour. Enjoy, email me, talk to me as always, and uh, let me know what you think. For now, Magic vs. Muggle, The Struggle is Real. Hello everybody, welcome to... Magic versus Muggle, the struggle is real. Uh, I am Kristen Kelp, the founder of Brand Camp and your lovely host for the next hour-ish. First, welcome, 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 welcome. Hello, hi, you're here. Thank you for coming. It is always, always appreciated. And my intention is to see where we go together. I have many pages of notes and things to say and ideas. And just as vital to that is the part where you ask questions or have comments or introduce yourself and tell me what's going on. And the more specific you can be, the more helpful it is for everyone else involved because generally the problems that one person is having when we talk about a topic are going to be reflected and ripple through the whole of the group that's listening. So if you're like, ah, I should talk about this, or I should ask about this, or this just keeps coming up, or this theme has appeared eight times in the last week, for some reason, tell me about it. Um, it helps absolutely everyone, including me, because then it feels like teaching and not me talking into a phone um, without being able to see your faces. So it helps quite a bit for everybody when you ask questions. Cool. For the duration of the next hour-ish, if you would do me the kind favor of having just one um, browser tab open, or if you are called in to just be called in, grab a notebook and a pen, and really give me your full attention. That's the only way that I can help. That's the only way any human can help. And I promise to do my very, very best to make this magical for you. So, first, the magic to muggle spectrum, which is why you're here. As officially defined by the Harry Potter books, muggles are non-magical people. In the books, they wander around oblivious to magic antics, and they're depicted as going about their days with very little consciousness of the wider world around them. They don't believe in magic, so they don't see it. Simple as that. In business terms, muggle thinking isn't quite as simple to spot, but it shows up when people sell you the ability to do X thing in like Y amount of days. So you can be ripped in 90 days or tighter in 10 days or meditate your way to enlightenment in 48 hours or three months or whatever it is. And while those time frames are nice and tidy, 
they often make for rhythms that aren't sustainable for the long term. In real life, 100% muggles on the spectrum are responsible for paperwork, bureaucracy, the legal system, the healthcare system, and if we're going to be honest, systems of all kinds. If it's a system, it's at least partially muggle, even if it has magical roots. And we magical folk perceive these two things being at odds because, frankly, magic is more fun. When we think of muggle things, it's rules, order, legalities, details, technicalities, structure, one, two, three, step-by-step instructions. IKEA instructions are 100% muggle. And when we step into magic, there's flow and there's chaos, there's intuition, there's big picture, there's unbridled creativity. Banksy's art, with his refusal to follow rules or to let people know his identity, is if I had to categorize a human that's 100% magic, it would probably be Banksy. Because I will never meet him and have that illusion shattered because he doesn't meet anyone. So all of us are on this spectrum, somewhere between 100% muggle, IKEA instructions, and 100% magical, like secret Banksy magical fairy art, right? And we're often careening across this spectrum at different parts of our days. The trouble is that most of the time it feels like a war. The more magical you are or the further along you are on the spectrum, the less that you want to muggle. We don't want to go grocery shopping or buy paper towels at Target or chop up veggies for dinner or clean the toilet or follow up with clients or return phone calls or check email or do research because it feels like muggling because it is muggling. But both your magical and muggle parts are essential to your everyday business life. And there's a way to balance them that's interesting. And if not balance, at least bring into more play, right? So if you're all magic in business, which many people are, there's no marketing. There's no showing people your work. You have piles of paperwork and ideas that will happen someday. I typically know that a person is mostly magic because they have underpriced wares that are incredibly awesome. They have stuff that's selling out, but they refuse to raise their prices or take on more help or they try to do everything themselves because control is like number one on the list of things you must have in life. So there is this person on Instagram. I'm not even going to tell you the name because it will just frustrate the shit out of you. And she makes the most magical little creations, like gold-touched unicorns and like animals, and she makes necklaces, and they're porcelain, and she hand-fires them, and then she takes photos of them, and then she uploads them, and she... It's so beautiful, and she has, you know, like 100,000 followers on Instagram. So she'll say she's having a shop to update at, like, 2 p.m. And then because she's trying to do everything herself, it's 2.30, and then it's 3, and then it's 5, and then it's, you know, 7 p.m. And then when it's finally updated, everything will sell out within a minute. I mean, maybe you have a minute, and things can be in your cart and disappear before you even get to check out. It's the mad rush. It's like a, like a rock concert selling out every single time. She's so magic, but she doesn't have any muggle in her, and there's so it's it's doing her a disservice because I unfollowed, unsubscribed, and I will never go back because it is the most stressful thing to have to compete to buy things and then be winning but not winning because you can have it in your cart and it still disappears, and she so needs a good muggle in her life to handle things, right? At the other end of the spectrum, you can be all muggle in business. There's no spark. You're afraid to show the real differentiation between you and the 10,000 other people who do work like you. You have more focus on making money than on simply making 
what's asking to be made, whether that's going to be a number one hit bestseller or not. When it gets to muggling in business, there are step-by-step formulas, done-by-use solutions. Slot A goes into slot B, they're joined, and that makes a Twinkie Dink. Yay, Twinkie Dinks, right? Except you don't actually care because you don't care about Twinkie Dinks. If you are bored out of your mind following a person, but they say they can help you do X, where X is a task you loathe, that's probably muggle. Like, you can love accounting. No, motherfucker. You just ignore accounting entirely until you hire an accountant, and then you talk to that person as frequently as you have to, but that's it. You outsource that shit, right? So we have a magic to muggle spectrum. And the trick of it, of trying to bring all of this into balance, which is really a fascinating thing to do in the modern world, is to say, hey, you know what's cool? I'm going to do both of these things. I'm going to be on the spectrum for the long term, and I'm going to have to do magic and muggle things every day, or at least every work day. Your days off, you can be all one or the other. It doesn't matter. So what if we divide your time into three kinds of time? There's magic time, which is when you do your very best work that actually brings you joy and energy if that is endlessly frustrating and yet endlessly rewarding. So you want to be a person who reads tarot cards for a living. That's when you're getting better at your skills. That's when you're doing the tarot card reading. That's when you're helping people by telling them about what's going on in their lives. And then there's your muggle time, which is, okay, now I'm going to uh, answer emails from people who would like to have tarot card sessions, and I'm going to research the latest tarot card techniques, and I'm going to network with people who have similar businesses to me, and I'm going to file my paperwork, handle my accountant, handle my taxes, handle my bookkeeping, um, all those muggle tasks that come along with being in business to make sure that the, the boat is floating and not sinking. And then you have your mogul task. So this is when you go all Kanye and you do the things that bring you more clients. This is the thing that we skip, regardless of whether we're magic or mogul or where we fall on the spectrum. Business owners tend to skip the mogul parts. So the mogul parts, M-O-G-U-L, are when you actually do the things that make you money. So as much as answering emails can make me money, which it doesn't really, hint, hint, um, the mobile part of me is when I follow up with a client, even though I don't want to, and even though it's uncomfortable to be like, hey, did you make a decision? Do you have any more questions? Here's an article you might like. Let me know. That's what actually makes me money for people to hire me for dominatrixing or for people to buy in school that have said like, yay, it looks amazing, and then they didn't do anything. That's the mobile part. It is almost by definition uncomfortable. So, But what we tend to do, the mistake we make, is to muggle first, and then mogul never, <laughs> and then do magic in like little blips or pieces of like 10 or 15 minutes we can steal away because it feels good so we save it for last. What if you restructured your day so that magic is at the top of your priority list and muggling is at the bottom of your priority list? It still gets done, but it's at the bottom. And moguling is like 15 to 20 minutes that you do every single day. So if you need to mogul and you're like, but I don't know what to do, um, moguling is this part of you that makes friends with other business owners because you know that's smart. It's the part of you that shows the work even when you're doing something you'd rather hide or when you, you've drawn something you'd rather throw away or written something that's never going to see the light of day in a further capacity. It keeps showing work every day even if it's old, where old can be anything from two hours to two years of age. It's amazing to me how I can be on Instagram and be like, nope, that photo was from yesterday. I can't post that today. 
on what fucking planet is that true? It's still a photo that I took that I love, that is really great, that I can add a quote to. And no. So your mogul brain is going to take those things that are like a little bit of show and tell. It was my favorite thing from kindergarten. And do it every day. And then invite people to come along with you, to buy your stuff, to book your services, to get in contact with you. That is really, really hard to do. So I've got 10 ways to mogul. Cool. You can show off your latest projects progress on Instagram. Share a blog post, even if it's old, on Facebook. Follow up with clients who've asked questions about your products or services. Those are typically in your inbox, but the God knows they could be in your Facebook Facebook inbox, in your Instagram direct message, in your Twitter direct message. There's Every platform has a way, right? So check all those messages. You can follow up with clients. Sorry, I already said that. Uh, you can have a lunch or coffee or dinner meetup with local business owners, and that's not an everyday thing unless you're an extrovert. That's a once-in-a-while thing. Uh, you can complete a daily activity. So, for example, uh, if you just uh, eventually, not right now, check a hashtag 100-day project or the 100-day project with L Luna, E-L-L-E-L-U-N-A. Uh, if you're doing just something every single day and then you share that with the world, whatever that something is, it's awesome if it's tied to your magic in some way. You can share the results of that daily activity with followers. You can actually write the newsletter or update you say that you've been writing for the last six months and then send it. You can update the number of spots or products available in your social media bios and blog sidebar. You can encourage clients to book, buy, or browse at the end of blog or social media posts. You can ask past clients for referrals, meaning, hey, I have some spots. Would you be willing to tell people about this? You can ask past clients for testimonials and include those on your site. Those are all moguling activities, and we mogul every single solitary day that we work, just like we magic every day and we muggle every day. Does that make sense? So that what's happening is that instead of it being a specific strategy that has to happen every day, which can feel terrible, it can be that you just check in with, okay, have I done magic today? Have I done some sort of, for me, it's writing every day, and then have I muggled today? How's my inbox looking? (laughs) Um, How's my inbox? How are, how's my bank account? How are, is everything still functioning in terms of um, my website and my web hosting and my relationships and my projects? Are they all on deadline? Which tasks have to be completed? Which calls have to like any to-do list that's happening that's bubbling? And then have I moguled, right? So have I taken the time to say, hey, this is coming up next. This is what's going on. This is how you can book me. And that when that becomes a daily practice, it is so much easier than when you just hope that saying something once every six months will keep your business afloat. It is not nearly as effective as when you do it every day. If you don't believe me, slash you need evidence of this, and you're like, but I don't want to bother people, I want you to follow any, 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 any clothing sales person, uh, not clothing sales person, clothing company, and just subscribe to their emails. So like subscribe to J.Crew's emails and see how many you get in a day. And how many you get in a week. Because it's going to be one a day, if not two a day. And that's bothering people. That's, oh, dear God, I just got 14 emails from you this week. And they all say the same thing, and they all just have promo codes and bonuses. There's nothing good coming along with J. Crew stuff, right? It's just pretty, pretty, shiny, shiny, bye-bye. 
you can do better than that with your moguling, and you can do it in a way that's fun and that's effective and that's really, really vibrant and lovely and you, and you won't be bothering people as much as J.Crew bothers people. So you can win on all accounts. You have your magic time, which is your first priority. You have your muggle time, lowest priority. It's just getting the stuff done. And you have your moguling, which is like, oh, it's the hardest 15 minutes when you just get it done, when you take care of showing your work to the world. And if you have those elements happening every day, business changes and shit changes, and it isn't just hoping that this one particular strategy is going to be the difference or this one particular tweak of your website is going to be the difference. It's learning that your business the specifics are going to change, and having these elements in play is not going to change. At the times when you don't mogul, income is lower. At the times when you don't muggle, income is lower and or your inbox is a mess. And at the times when you eliminate magic, you kind of hate your life even if you're making way more money. So if you're a photographer and you haven't actually been on a shoot in six weeks, you're just working through editing and orders and printing and retouching and customer emails and phone calls and deliveries and packaging. That's all muggling. And it's moguling as well. You're going to be making money from that. But you haven't tapped into your magic. And so just like we balance time, energy, and money in the pursuit of our definition, our respective definitions of success, we balance magic, muggle, and mogul energies in the way that we bring our business to the world. And we attempt to keep them at least, if not in balance, at least all in play. But if you eliminate any one of them, your business kind of goes to shit. I feel like that was a lot. I talk really fast when I get excited. So if you have questions, comments, ideas, things you want to discuss, you can hit me up in the question section. And I am going to go over there right now because I can. Cool? Um, and it's okay if you're like, holy shit. Debbie says, is moguling marketing? It can be. Um, so sometimes it's like just putting it out, like, yes, this needs to happen. This is marketing. Um, so my moguling might be, hey, everybody, come to a class that's happening. But my moguling might also be, hey, guys, in case you forgot that I'm a writer, um, here's an Instagram photo, and this is a phrase that I wrote today that I really like. And I don't even necessarily have to say that that's a phrase I wrote today that I really liked. It might just be something that I do to make sure that I am making myself visible to the world. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the class. Cool. That's all I see for now, but don't hesitate to uh, ask me some questions. Cool. Okay, so then once you're like, oh, shit, I am magical, and I'm, okay, got it, there are common traps that we magical people fall into. First, and the most common, is the perpetual later. Like, I'll start six months from now. I was in Paris, to completely eliminate you from the picture and not make you feel bad, I was in Paris, and I was sitting at Shakespeare and Company outside, feeling the wind on my face, like a stereotypical writer in Paris, and I heard this couple beside me. So Shakespeare and Company is exclusively an English-speaking bookstore. It's the only one in Paris. So um, I could understand everything everyone was saying, even when I'm not trying to listen, because French listening takes a lot of skill for me. English, obviously, is no big deal to eavesdrop. So I'm just not even trying to listen, and this girl's like, you know what? I, I have a novel in me. I know I have a novel in me. I am going to be a writer. She's like, I'm going to start writing my novel next January. You guys, it was March. Okay, so like, so for the next nine months, what are you going to do? Nothing. <laughs> like, nothing. 
are you kidding me right now? So we fall into this trap of the perpetual later. And I was like, okay, like it's not bad that you're going to start something in January or it's not bad that something's going to take more time or that it's going to start later. But there's such a trap in I'm going to start this good habit six to nine months from now. Like, you guys, for sure, for sure, there's a skinny person that lives in me, and I'm totally going to start eating kale in January. Like, no. If you know that it needs to happen, it's okay to start taking baby steps toward it now because good habits are formed in the perpetual now. We have today. We have the ability to show up and to make stuff and to show people our work. We have the ability to talk to our people in this moment. We don't get to know about later. If Trump gets elected, we're all going to fucking blow up in nuclear holocaust within two years anyway, right? We don't, we might not get a later. Our work will never be better because we've been thinking about maybe possibly starting to do something-ish for a couple of years now, right? Our work is better because we work every day at making it better. I recently looked through every poem I've ever written, which I haven't looked at in years. So that's from 1999 until now. And it took like six hours to read through. And there is not a single poem that I want to show you that was written between 1999 and 2001. There are hundreds of poems, and they are all trash. But had I not been willing to show up and write absolute trash, hundreds of just shit after shit after shit after shit after shit, I wouldn't be writing what I'm writing now, and I wouldn't be able to work with words the way that I do now. Does that make sense? Because all I have is now, all I have is today, and we have to give up on the perpetual later and embrace the perpetual now. It's always right now, and now is as good a time as any to begin. Even if it's like four minutes a day, that's better than nothing. Also, and unfortunately, I can speak to this from experience, it's going to feel the same to talk to 600 people or 6,000 people as it does to talk to six people in the online world. I promise. The habits you make when you have an audience of six, they will serve you when you have an audience of 600 or 6,000 or 60,000. It will not feel any different to hit send on that newsletter email. I promise you it won't. Because I've done it. I've had an audience of six and then an audience of 600 and then 6,000 and then 13,000. And it feels exactly the same hitting send, except that I get more emails back in response. But my act of, okay, I'm going to send something out. Okay, here's what I need to talk about. Okay, here's what I'm going to write. Okay, here are the jokes I'm going to make. is exactly the fucking same. So when you fall into the trap of, well, when I have a bigger audience, I'll write that. Or when I have a bigger audience, I'll write period, or I'll talk to them, or I'll or promote more. You won't, because there are habits that you create, and then you just keep doing them, and that's what actually brings you the audience, oddly enough. The next trap that we magical people fall into is, and I quote here, it isn't as good as it was in my head. Of course it isn't. Because in your head, you can use your imagination to add any details that you would like instantaneously without any effort whatsoever. For example, right now, imagine a house. Any house, just imagine a house. Now imagine it pink. Now imagine it pink with white trim and blue polka dots. Now imagine it purple and dipped in glitter. Now imagine it twice as big and with a bunch of alpacas grazing out front. Each of those changes in the real world is a pain in the ass. You have to hire labor, choose paint colors, make a mess, move ladders around. And all those changes in real time would take place over the course of days, if not weeks, 
plus alpacas smell funny, right? But in your head, it can happen instantaneously. The final product is never, never, ever, ever as good as it was in your head because in your head, every book is a phenomenal bestseller and every image is a stunning work of art that should be shown in the Louvre. And in your head, three minutes of yoga gives you six-pack abs in like 40 seconds. <laughs> and in your head, one social media post sells out all your products. Your imagination is a powerful tool, but it's not the be-all and end-all of your work in the world. It's the starting point. So please don't let your work languish there because you know that when it comes out, it won't be as good as it was in your head or because you're putting it off until the perpetual later when you quote-unquote have more time. Your notebooks full of things you'll do when you have more time or more money or more freedom are worth absolutely nothing. Not because you're not worth anything, but because ideas have no form. Until an idea takes a physical form, it's a piece of writing or a podcast or a piece of art or a product or a service or a class or an event, it has no life. It's only a daydream. And daydreams have their place. They're vital to our inner landscapes. Our purple-dipped houses with alpacas out front are absolutely wonderful. They help us connect with ourselves and with other human beings. They amuse us. They give us hope. They keep us from stagnating in reality. But you don't get credit for your daydreams. You only get credit for your work. Your videos, your recordings, your drawings, your pieces of art, the things you've made or pieced together or brought to life, the business you've created, the website you've built, the product you've sold, the days or weeks or events you've designed for other people to enjoy. You only get credit for your work, even if it sucks or it's half-formed or it bombs miserably, still worth more than the perfect idea. Even if you're laughed out of the park or you spend eight years making a failed spindly doodle and it turns out the whole planet goes apeshit for the spindly doodle wooski that comes after you, it's still better than keeping the perfect idea to yourself. Your paralysis and fear, you're freaking out about the finest details of the product you've been planning for a decade but haven't yet started. That shit is not interesting because it is not work. You don't get credit for thinking about the work, researching the work, or pushing the work to next month. For sure this time, for sure, next month you'll get started. You only get credit for your work. So your current daydream, however small, however silly or stupid or whatever insulting word you use against yourself, go make it. Do it, plan it, launch it, build it, cobble it together from parts that don't make sense. Make a shitty first draft and an even shittier second draft. Sell two copies, one to your mom, one to your best friend. At least you made something other people can see and hold and support you for having done. A shitty first draft has 10,000 times more life in it than an idea that's been turned over for a decade in the rock tumbler of your mind. Go love that daydream to life. And keep loving it until you can hold it in your hands. The world needs more spindly doodles and fewer perfect ideas. Promise. That was my soapbox, guys. That was my soapbox. I'm going to check for questions and see what's going on. I've got three. Jen Downer says, I need muggling resistance rehab. (laughs) Right? We all do. Muggling is like, oh, um, but the truth is that it makes your life easier, that when you muggle really well, it's so much easier. Like when you wake up and you open the fridge and there's like balsamic vinegar and margarine, that's not a good day for cooking. And when you wake up and you're like, 
just their actually foods in the refrigerator. Life is simpler. So muggling resistance is like, first off, you can call it muggling. Like I totally call it, like I have to go muggle now. Um, it's better if you take someone with you, someone that you love, someone to make fun of it with you. And then it's, a, it's better if you just label it as such and know that it's essential. Does that make sense? Um, Isabel has a really long question that scares me, so I'm going to come back to it and keep going because I don't want to get derailed from the common traps that we magical people fall into. And this is the last one, which is, ties right into Jen, pretending the muggle doesn't matter. So when it comes to your business, accounting, paperwork, taxes, legalities, shipping, handling, all those things, you're like, meh. But it matters. It has to be done, right? You need a business bank account, and you need to know how much is in that account, and you need a way to keep track of your spending and your income. You need an accountant. Does it make sense that I hate accounting very much? But I, yeah, okay, it, it comes out loud and clear, I think. But you need an accountant. Excuse me, you need an accountant. You need bookkeeping. You need to file taxes. You need to register your business with the appropriate entities for your country and your state. And you need to invoice your clients on time. These things matter because when you're magic, you're happy to be doing the work free of charge. You're so thrilled just to be able to do what you do regardless of how much income it brings you. But when you ignore these things, there are very unfortunate, very muggle consequences like not being able to pay your bills and not being able to travel and not being able to upgrade your equipment on a regular schedule or when it breaks. Or, you know, just going to jail for tax evasion. Like, muggle things are often unpleasant, absolutely no questions asked. I do not want to go to goddamn Trader Joe's and squeeze cantaloupes, right? They're tedious, these muggle things, and they have rules and they have regulations for sure, but these things matter. Here is my secret for how I do all the muggle things without wanting to shoot myself in the face. Managers, agents, and accountants handle muggle things for magical people. It's okay to find yourself as many helpers as you need for muggling. These helpers include, but are not limited to, accountants, bookkeepers, lawyers, coaches, therapists, doctors, wellness practitioners, instructors, teachers, mechanics, cooks, maids, or whatever they're called these days with more politically correct, like cleaning people, personal assistants, babysitters, and accountability buddies. There is no shame in hiring any or all of these people to help bring your magical qualities to light, particularly in your business. So when you hear me talking about how Nani, she is my like muggle shining star who makes sure, I mean, you guys, physically, she came to my house yesterday with the appropriate tax documents that had had an extension filed that she took care of ready. And she had little tiny post-it notes right beside the places where I had to sign. And I signed it. And then she physically took the forms from me, put them in a mailbox, and mailed them with the appropriate, like, magical make sure that we find out that the IRS has gotten it type stuff, certified mail. For me to do that takes 60% of a day's energy. I'm not even exaggerating, right? For her, it's like 4% of her energy. She's like, yeah, okay, well, I came down and I get to have lunch with you, so that's awesome. And in exchange, like, I make her laugh and I entertain her and we have these great conversations and she sees Hermione and we're both so happy. And I'm like, God, it's so easy to make you laugh and entertain you. And she's like, God, it's so easy to do your taxes. This is not a big deal. Find people who help you muggle. The list, again, in case you missed it, accountants, bookkeepers, lawyers, coaches, therapists, 
doctors, instructors, teachers, mechanics, cooks, cleaning people, personal assistants, babysitters, and accountability buddies. It's okay if you have one of all of those. It's all right. If that's what it takes to bring your magic out, awesome. Fucking do it. If on the other end of the spectrum, you don't trust your magical bits, you tend to muggle because you don't trust your magical bits, there are some really low-risk ways that you can trust your magical bits a little more. Because we all want to just not like, not trust them at all and then trust them with some sort of big thing like moving across the country. And the truth is, it's a relationship, and you build it bit by bit and piece by piece. Like you don't marry a person or meet a person on Monday and marry them on Tuesday. It takes time. So trusting your magical bits and building a relationship, 10 ways to do it. One, ask your intuition which foods you need to eat. Not the same as being absolutely starving at the grocery store and picking up sugar. I mean, if you're looking at a menu and you have three healthy choices, which one would your body like to eat? And sometimes you won't even like the answer. Like, my body really wanted beets when I was out. And so I was like, oh, that's great. Like, roasted beets, yum. And then they were cold beets. And body was like, mmm. And I was like, I don't want to eat these. And yet, I felt like a million bucks after I ate beets because that was what my body needed right then. You can trust it with which book to read. So if you have a stack of books, which one should you get next? Which one should you read next? If you um, are at a bookstore and you just feel overwhelmed because there are, you know, 60,000 books at a Barnes & Noble, you can just ask your body where, like, ask your body, where would you like to go look? And then when you're there, which shelf is more interesting? And you can do that. You can play with that. You can play with, is there a book off the shelf? Is there a book face outward there? Is there a book that I found when I walked back that was like, ooh, I meant to read that, but I forgot about it? Just pay attention. You can play with which way to go in traffic. If you've ever had a fight with Waze, you're really having a fight with your intuition. Because Waze is all like, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. You've gone three blocks and you've saved 24 seconds um, versus, like, dude, this makes absolutely no sense. I don't understand why you're doing this, Waze. It's because my intuitive GPS is really freaking strong, right? You can trust your intuition when you're scheduling meetings. So like, eh, do you want to schedule that for 8 or for 10 a.m.? Does it really matter? No. Which one feels better? Just check in and ask. You can pay attention to it for news or stories or humans that you want to pay attention to and consume. Because like it or not, you're kind of consuming me right now. Um, you're consuming my information and my voice and the ways that I'm reaching you and my energy. And so you, that's something that you consume, and it's good to be conscious of it. If it feels awful or it makes you frown or you're like, dear God, Kristen, shut up, I fucking hate you, it's good to stop paying attention to it. So when you follow a person for advice, for, for whatever it is, like you want to lose you know, 10 pounds by cutting sugar out of your diet, as long as that person's advice feels good and honest and right for you, keep following it. And then if it's like, eh, this doesn't feel right, like you've outgrown it or you've changed or it just isn't relevant, just stop paying attention to it. It's okay. Trusting your magical bits or your intuition, um, it's really obvious when you approach an animal, like you approach a dog. They will let you know whether or not you should approach, and then they will let you know whether or not you should pet them. So just pay attention. Even for clothing, when you open your wardrobe, or wardrobe, on what planet am I right now? You open your closet in the morning, and you wear what feels good in your deep-down bits. You're like, nope, 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 this is what I need to wear today. Cool. There's no harm in that. It's all clothing that fits you. So just wear what feels good. 
And that's actually, believe it or not, why I have pink hair. Because if people came with all colors of hair, my hair would naturally be pink. It's not a desperate cry for attention. It's just the way it is. You can also trust your magical bits to get rid of what feels stale. So if that's programs, that's habits, that's stuff in your basement, that's stuff in your closet, that's stuff like way back behind your baseboards that you haven't cleaned in a long time, these cleans are often intuitive and they're often triggered by your magical bits being like, hey, we need to get rid of some stuff. We're growing. And then we need to shed some stuff. So the really, really for real, for real secret here is that magic versus muggle is not a war. Your magical and muggle bits are both vital to your existence. Like your ability to feed yourself and clothe yourself and have a bank account is absolutely vital. Just like your ability to carve time to play and make and create is necessary to your soul's deepest reasons for being on this earth as a magical creature. When we make it a war, we just kind of lose. And when we make it an inclusive and, like I am both magical and muggle in the same day, it's a lot easier. Keeping your magical bits from running all over the place and eating only brownies and mates all day will help you live a better life. Just like paying off your credit cards and doing laundry and keeping your house clean, clean enough to not be featured on quarters at least, it's going to make you appreciative of your muggle qualities. So either you're at the magical end and you were just muggling, or you're at the muggle end and you're like, I don't trust my magic at all. And the truth is there's room for both every single solitary day. So I'm going to share my favorite muggle strategies to boost your business income after I answer questions, which I'm doing right now. Again, if you have a question or a comment or you're confused or you're like, I don't have any fucking idea what you're talking about, dude, now is the time to ask your question because I'm here. So Isabel in Orlando says, when I meet with people in person at dinner parties, networking events, or one-on-one, people tell me I'm fascinating. But I suck butt at doing this online, and my clients who hire me don't watch videos, so I can't talk on videos or even reduce what I'm saying to only one minute for small attention spans. I'm always at a loss for how to market myself online, but I know that people tell me I'm super fascinating all the time. How do I do this? And I'm a photographer who uses personality tests to figure out a way to create a composited image of a family on top of their family portrait. I know that mystique is my way of marketing, but how do I do it online with my magic when I only know how to do this in person? First, keep doing it offline and add a little bit more muggling to your pitch. So when people say you're fascinating, are you like, right, you need to book me? Or are you like, thank you, and then you wander away really quickly? So if you're really good at something offline, keep doing it offline, right? And then online, if your people don't watch videos, because I don't watch videos, I fucking hate videos. Um, online, ask your people what they do online and then try to meet them there. So maybe it's that you show eight-second clips of the, the composited images that you've made on Instagram using the Boomerang app, and then you invite people to come and see more. Or you show them what you're making in your studio and you invite them to come and see more. Or you have a secret project that you're working on and you show just bits or pieces of it. Or you share your influences. Because fascinating people don't have just one influence. Fascinating people are like, so when I watch The Real Housewives and then that ties to Kanye, and then that ties to this like study I've been doing about the Abrahamic religions. And then when I was in Paris, I noticed that the homeless rate was tied to like, interesting people connect dots that other people don't connect. So which are the dots that you're diving into and how are you connecting them? 
And how can you show that to people? It doesn't have to be video. It doesn't even have to be you talking. It's exploring ways to connect dots. Mystique is actually one of my inactive triggers. I have no mystique. I tell you absolutely everything all the time. Um, so the other thing might be to, to watch people that you are fascinated by and then be like, what are they doing? Break it down. What are they doing right now? Are they being fascinating because they're showing me something or because they're not showing me something? What are they not showing me? What is triggering my wanting to know more? And then go and translate that into your own course of action. And that can be across the board for any brand or any person, anything at all. It doesn't have to be photography. So that you're playing with your fascination factor, your fascination uh, advantage. You're doing it in a way that's interesting to you. My, uh, if you don't know, The Fascination Advantage is a book by Sally Hogshead. It's brilliant. I totally recommend buying the book to take the test. My fascination uh, trigger is rebellion, which has been relabeled innovation. But really, it's rebellion. It's somebody's doing everything this way. I do it the opposite way. And that's what I do. And that's why people love me. So it's worth finding out your fascination trigger. Anybody that's listening? Um, someone, anonymous, says, how do we transition into our magic when we are in super muggle life? I can't seem to be disciplined enough to balance the lame job, lame job muggle life with trying to be in my magic, with spare time life, and then moving into good muggle magic life. So what if, you know, balance it. What if you're like, yes, I work 40 hours a week at a muggle job. What if you find ways to be magic at work? So my best friend, Doe, has these ways, like her cube has a rug and it has pillows and it has plants and it has, she has the little tiny faces that you can put onto staplers and things like googly eyes on everything, like everything has a face. And she has little figurines and she has crystals and she, and when people ask about the crystals, she talks about them because she's magic and wants to talk about crystals. And when, now they talk about spirit animals and when she gets to work early, they make chai together and they talk about these things. So it doesn't have to be that your muggle job is all muggle. Your challenge can be to play with where there's magic and then to give it just five minutes more in your life. And to notice that you let yourself be on the muggle spectrum even though you know your magic, so to just allow room for it. The other thing that sounds really fucking stupid and yet I'm going to tell you anyway is uh, Doey and I were having very productive time um, lying out on the grass in the sunshine on Saturday. So productive, right? Um, and there's this path that goes by where we were just lounging. And all of a sudden we hear jingle bells and there's this tiny miniature horse and it's attached to a cart and it goes riding by. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I said, the top of that universe out loud. And I was like, I don't even know what that'll be, but it'll be spectacular. And so five minutes later, the horse comes trotting back, but it stops, and we get to talk with the owner, and that horse's name is Bubbles, and it's 13 years old, and it wears purple shoes, and it's just out for a jog, and yes, it's full-grown, and it's a miniature horse, not a pony. And then, you know, the kids that were there were asking questions, and we were all just delighted. So sometimes just making space for magic to happen is enough to let magic happen and sometimes daring life to get better is a really interesting thing to do because it doesn't harm anybody you know like okay like like I dare you to make today magic and it can be simple and small and tiny and it doesn't have to take over your whole life and it'll still work 
Ashia says, what about if we're working on our ideas currently but feel like we could be working on other ideas? There are so many ideas, there is finite time. Absolutely, you're probably, as a creative person, never going to stop having ideas. The trick is that you have an idea and you bring it to fruition and then you take on your next idea versus getting into the cycle that I've seen lots of people do of having ideas and having ideas and having ideas and having ideas. Okay, cool. And which which ideas did you bring to life? None of them. People that are like, I'm writing seven books right now. I'm like, cool. So when can I read your first one? They're like, I'm writing seven books right now. Like some people get off on how much work they're doing, but they don't actually do the thing which is really vulnerable, which is bring it to light. So if you, you're like, yes, I am a master of shooting film. I've shot 3,000 rolls of film in the last year. And I'm like, cool, where can I go to see that? And you're like, oh, I haven't shown anybody. There's a time for honing your craft, and then there's a time when you're just hiding. And keeping lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of ideas in the cooker but not bringing any of them to fruition is a way of hiding. Does that make sense? So you prioritize, and you make them happen, and you bring them life. And if you don't bring them to life, they don't count. They're just ideas. And that's okay. That's totally okay. I have so many ideas that are in notebooks and moleskins in uh, my library that are just, they're there. They're hanging out. Maybe they'll happen. They probably won't. And that's cool. I just don't expect anybody to acknowledge that I am a secret genius for having those ideas because I didn't show them to anyone. No one else knows about them. That's all. Uh, Lisa in Elmira says, how do you approach burnout from magicking when you have imposter syndrome, when you just don't care if you aren't productive this entire month because you're so tired of setbacks and thought you'd be done two to three years ago? So the thing I want to say is that you're tired of setbacks and you thought you'd be done is that you're never done. Like until you're dead, you're never done living. So if you approach your particular magic in the world as this thing that you're going to engage with for the rest of your life, you're never going to be done. You're just in relationship with it. So it sounds like you kind of want to break up with your magic. And sometimes I do too. And that's a time to like take a rest, do some muggle shit, do some mogling, be visible, and to kind of gather your stores and then come back to trusting magic again. So... When I held Brand Camp, I had the most magical visions of what this event would be and who would be there and how it would go and how it would feel. And those, every single solitary one of those came true. The thing that I did in my head was I made those visions of people having a really good time and on a, on a Ferris wheel at sunrise and playing Paint Twister. I made those visions mean that the whole event was going to sell out and I was going to be set in terms of money. That was never given to me or shown to me. I made that up in my head, and I paid the price for it. So sometimes when magic says, you should do this thing, cool. Does that involve putting hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line? Because if it does, and you haven't done that before, possibly you could scale back the magic, and it would still be magic. (laughs) Does that make sense? So I had to learn by just flinging myself off a cliff into magic with visions that I was given and then shit that I had made up about, oh, I have to be very careful about what was shown to me versus what I'm adding to make it more palatable. I made up the part where I made a shit ton of money from it. So as you come back into relationship with your magic and you learn to trust it all over again, you learn things, and that's the goal. And sometimes you're really fucking tired and you can't be productive this month. But setbacks 
and things that you thought you'd be done with two to three years ago, I hear you. I've been there. And you just, you find a way to keep going because magic to me is so much more interesting than muggling. It always has been and it probably always will be. So you do what you can. You build your relationship. You muggle when you need to and you keep going. Monica says, how do you know when a project you've been working on just needs more polish before you put it out into the world? And when it should just be thrown out and considered a learning experience? I am always in favor of throwing it out and learning. Always, 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 always. Did I say always or maybe always? Um, just always. Because the difference between a project being 95% ready and 100% ready is it's typically a difference that no one else in the whole world will notice. Does that make sense? So the difference between my 95% and my 100% is not something that's perceptible to the outside world. It's just the 5% that stops me from putting my work into the world, and it's kind of bullshit. Does that make sense? Like, I could always improve it. I could always tweak it. I could always polish it. I could always put it in for another round of graphic design changes. And I don't, not because I don't love you or my work or my clients, but because that is just bullshit that keeps it in an never-ending cycle of, yep, need to keep working on that. Yep, need to keep working on that. It never ends. Lisa says, what if you're drowning in muggle chores but have zero income and can't hire any helpers? You can ask people to help. That is way harder than hiring someone. You can ask people to help. So literally yesterday, I told people, uh, my closest friends, what my goals are for the year, uh, where I will probably fall down, and if they would be willing to help me and hold me accountable and send me dairy-free recipes because giving up dairy is really, really difficult and challenging, right? And that is way harder than asking people to give me money for M-School, and that is way harder than asking people to hire me for dominatrix things, and that is way harder than hiring someone to help me do my muggle chores. It's so much harder to ask for help, but it's a way out. There's probably someone who's willing to help or at least to share the burden with you. Maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a kid, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's that you make a date with a friend and you're like, it's muggle time, and you have an hour in which you both clean as fast as you can and then Skype together to have a drink. Whatever it is, there's always a way around muggling that can make it just a little bit magical. So when Bear and I go to Target, I sit in the cart and he pushes me around, and that's how we shop. It also is a budget saver because I can't reach as many things. But it's a way to, it's a really fun. Like, we take turns, like, like, you know, we take corners really fast, and we see how fast we can get through it. And we get through the list in record time, and it's fun. So I used to dread going to Target, and now it's one of my favorite things to do. It is my favorite muggle chore, hands down. So are there ways to work magic into your muggling, and are there people that you can ask for help? Because it's so much harder to ask for help. Abigail said, what was the fascination book called? It was uh, Fascinates by Sally Hogshead. Hogs, H-O-G-S, head, H-E-A-D. Just look on Amazon and you will, you will find it, no problem. Rick says, I do fine with magic and muggle, but I struggle with mobile procrastinating with marketing, for example. Any hints to deal with that? You do it every single day. Day. So if you can make yourself a challenge that you're going to do every day that you wake up and work, you're also going to have 15 minutes of moguling because you can set a timer and know that it won't last forever. It's only 15 minutes. 
make it a habit. The only way to mogul is to make it a habit. And eventually it gets so much easier. So, so, so much easier. It's like a muscle that you need to build. And there isn't any easy, tricky way to build it. There's no like, learn to mogul now class. Because you can take all the marketing classes in the world. And then when it comes to the point where you actually have to market, not just learn about marketing, you'll still really, really hesitate because it's terrifying. So you make it a habit and you make it a small habit that instead of just endlessly checking my inbox for, you know, the next half hour, I'm going to go ahead and mobile. And then Ellie in Singapore says, what if we don't have enough finances to indulge in more magic time? Dude, there is always time for more magic. Always, 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 always. Often magic time is the thing that you do, that you adore, that takes like 10 to 15 minutes. Like magic time for me is being able to read a book that's fiction or being able to, I'll tell you what one of the most magical things in the world is that's completely free, is that I uh, I find books that I want to read that are nonfiction because I find that I don't actually want to keep nonfiction books ever. Um, and I set them up so that I have them coming at the library. They're being ordered for me like once a week, every week for the next six weeks. It's fucking magic. I don't have to pay for them. They're from the library. I get to read them, and then I return them, and I don't feel guilty about not reading them if they're terrible, because lots of nonfiction books are kind of terrible. Um, that's magic. Or taking time to doodle instead of just messing around on Facebook for 15 minutes. Magic. Taking time to have coffee with your friend, or every Thursday I have lunch with Zoe. I go to Muggle Campus, because she works in a totally Muggle Campus. She leaves Muggle Campus. And we have lunch together because that is just as important to me as doing, you know, another hour of work for the day. So you find time for friends, you find time for your talents, and you find time for the things that you've loved. And magic time can also be that you take 10 minutes to step outside, put your feet on the ground, and chill the fuck out. That costs nothing. So I don't want you to think that magic time costs money because magic time is just that ability to reconnect with yourself and your talents and your life and your aliveness. And that doesn't have to cost a damn thing. Oh, that was a lot of talking. If you have any more questions, now is the time to hit me with them, and I'm going to do the last little piece, which is my favorite muggle strategy to boost your business income like a mofo. Spoiler alert, this is simple, not easy. There's a difference. Number one, and nobody likes this, is to make yourself more visible. Often, more visible and more money are directly related. So when you hide in your work, when you hope people find you or you hope that your work speaks for itself, quote unquote, or you tell yourself you're worth it but you don't do any marketing to be worth it, um, or you don't have clear pricing or clear boundaries or clear guidelines for giving you money, you're hiding. Hiding means less money since people can't see you or they can't see the real you. They can't find your work. They can't buy your stuff, right? If I don't know if a shop exists, I cannot give it money. This is very simple. I know that you don't care about money as much as the ultra muggle over there who's like marking up $4 items to resell on eBay for $40 and then pimping them on Instagram, but you still need to care. It is not the world's responsibility to discover you. It's your job to make yourself discoverable by whatever means feels right and good and slightly uncomfortable. So that's where that mogul piece comes in that you make yourself more visible. And maybe it's really direct, like buy my shit. And maybe it's not that direct at all. It's simply, this is what I'm working on. Just got a new lens, can't wait to use it with clients. 
Maybe it's this is what I wrote today. This is just a piece of what I wrote today. Maybe it's this is coming soon or this project is being launched on this day. It doesn't always have to be this overtly salesy buy, 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 buy. Sometimes it's just giving people peaks of what you're working on and making that your practice. Austin Cleon's book, Show Your Work, is really, really good for this. So Austin, like the city, Cleon, K-L-E-O-N, his book is Show Your Work. And it's totally worth picking up or at least checking out of the library to see. Uh, it's a really interesting. It's a really quick read. And he's really good at explaining that concept of show your work. Um, because often more money comes from being more visible. More income comes from being more visible. Next, you're going to like this one even less. Ask for money. Ask people to hire you, book you, buy your stuff, or sign up for your services. Give them a call to action. And I know you're scoffing. You're like, I know this. Yeah, but when was the last time you did it? When was the last time you sent an email to your peeps asking them to hop on board with what you're offering? When is the last time you asked your previous clients to buy something new or to rebook your services? Like, my masseuse will just be like, yo, when are you coming in again? And I'll be like, damn, you're right, and then we come in again. Um, when I get when I check out for my haircut, I always book the next haircut. Rebooking of services is totally something that you ask for money for. Did you want to book your next appointment now? Awesome. Do it. When's the last time you asked your past clients for testimonials, then posted them in plain view on your website or social media? Because knowing something in your head and allowing it to trickle down to your daily mobile activity is a completely different can of worms. Every day you magic. Every day you mogul. And every day you muggle. Every day. And to be frank, you sign up for M School, which is when we dive deeply into topics like these during the month of May. And then you have your choice of meeting me in Harry Potter world or letting me have a go at solving your life in a lightning bolt conversation on the phone. Either way, we address the magical qualities you're not letting come to light, as well as the muggle tasks that you've been putting off in the name of hoping that they will go away forever and ever. When you're really honest about your strengths and your weaknesses in business, and you admit that you're probably not moguling ever, <laughs> we can shape a plan to move forward that allows for maximum magic freedom and minimum muggle pain in your life. With M-School, you don't have to hide from muggling because it's a pain in the ass. You just have to label certain tasks muggling and get them done. Likewise, you don't have to keep hiding your magical qualities because you don't know what to do with them or how to market them, or you keep hoping you'll be discovered like Banksy. And um, you can start undertaking mogul time and get your magic seen every day. You'll also have the benefit of telling me what you're working on and then talking with me about it so I can hold you accountable for actually doing the thing that you say you're going to do. So you have 72 hours to join M-School. It is Tuesday. Registration closes on Friday. It's at brandcampblog.com slash M-School. We're going to dive deeper into all those things during the whole month of May. Of course, all the classes are recorded and sent to you. You can binge listen at any point. Then nothing live that happens. Um, don't let the muggle details cause you stress, but join me. Let's take the war out of being magic versus being muggle. And let's embrace both and let's tweak the shit out of your business so that it actually works for you and earns you income and does what you need it to do. Again, that's brandcampblog.com slash mschool. It's $199. That is really, really absurdly cheap, I've got to say. Other questions. This is the final last call. And I need to tell you an embarrassing, embarrassing, yet amazing story. So 
yesterday, oddly enough, so glad there are dudes here. You're going to hear this anyway. Uh, intuition was all like, you probably shouldn't wear underwear. And I was like, that's interesting. I'm going to ignore you. So <laughs> it was a really good. I was like, okay, that's a weird message to get. Cool. Uh, so what happened was I was driving around, and I pulled over in this park. I was like, this is the most beautiful park. I love it. And I sat in the car, and I recorded a podcast all inspired by the lovely wonderful world of the nature that was in front of me and so I was like great okay now I'm going to go home and I'm going to have lunch I turned my car over and it didn't turn over it made no noise whatsoever and then eventually after a few minutes of turning it over it was like click 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 it's like fuck so I'm in the middle of a field in the middle of a park with my car and muggling means that I had AAA to come help me but it also means that I listened to the parts I didn't listen, but I eventually listened. I just had to pee in a field because there was no place else to go, and I had to go, and I was stuck for a few hours. So sometimes there's muggling that means you have AAA to come help you, and sometimes there's magic, which means you should have listened to your intuition and you wouldn't have had to deal with that situation. But magic also means that I have an emergency picnic kit in my trunk, So I spread out my emergency picnic kit and stared at the sky and felt the sun on my legs, and it was actually fine. So this magic and muggle, these pieces, they're not actually at war. They're just kind of voices that we can listen to. And most people don't listen to the magic voice that says, you probably shouldn't wear underwear today because they can't imagine that they're going to be peeing in a field later, and that would actually be really practical. Most people listen to the muggle voices. And the truth is there's room for both that there are simply aspects of the spectrum that we shift between on a daily basis. When you embrace both your business life and your personal life, your whole life, it gets freer, it gets easier, and it gets more profitable. So whether you need muggle rehab (laughs) or you just need uh, to get more in touch with your magical bits, um, it is totally cool. Join the mSchool, brandcampblog.com slash mSchool. Take a look. I would love to see you there. You have 72 hours to register. Giggles says, Tips on when we feel like intuition is saying two opposing things. I would need clarity there in terms of opposing things. Uh, but what you can do, this is a really simple trick. So if you, I'm going to give an example that's not related to what I think you're asking, and then you can translate. So if you're at, let's say, the grocery store, and there's that whole aisle of, like, supplements, right? And you've read about these two different supplements, let's say ginger extract and krill oil. And you only have enough money for one of them. What you can do, because intuition might be like, buy both of these. And you're like, I don't have enough money for both of these. Is hold one of them in your hand and say, this is what I should buy. And then notice whether your body leans forward or backward. If it leans forward, it's a yes. If it leans backward, it's a no. So I do this with essential oils that I have. I have, you know, like a range of them, like eight of them. And I'll just kind of feel like, I think it's this one. And then I just ask, like, is this the one I should wear today? And either my body leans forward for yes or it leans back for no. And that's the way that I do it. So intuition is saying put on some essential oils or put them in the diffuser. Awesome. I don't have any way of knowing which one. And so it's just let's clarify which one. So you can ask clarifying questions. You can also do that with just purely, like, stand up and ask the question. Uh, My body feels like it should move to Detroit, yes or no. My body feels like it should move to San Diego, yes or no, right? Your body's going to give really clear indicators. And the trick is to not try and influence it because that completely and totally defeats the point of the whole thing, right? (laughs) 
And Brooke has a question, and she gets to start shooting to raise her hand. So, hi, lady. Brooke. Or not. Let's not do that right now. If you type in your question, I'd be happy to hear it. Otherwise, any questions, comments, concerns, issues, things to talk about, let's do it. Um, We've just gone over an hour, so I am going to wrap it up. Otherwise, um, magic, smuggling, not a war. You can totally do both. If you have a question for me that's all like, this is private, Kristen, just hit up Brandcamp blog. Uh, I'm sorry, BrainCampOnline at gmail.com. Again, BrainCampOnline at gmail.com. And if you want to play with me on Instagram, you can follow me at kkelp. If you're like, dude, I would totally like to ask you a question or talk about this on Facebook, facebook.com slash BrainCamp. Otherwise, get yourself to mSchool, BrainCampBlog.com slash mSchool. Thank you so much for listening and participating and for being lovely and beautiful and wonderful. And I will talk to you all later. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.